So when talking about the gifts of the Spirit of God, the two people that come to my mind that weren't exactly described in the Bible as fitting in the fivefold ministry gifts when they were being used were two of the people that were picked out in Acts chapter 6 to be deacons. One was Stephen, and one was a man named Philip. All right? They were deacons. Now, one of them went on to be called a prophet later. Started out as a deacon, talked about as a deacon, but those two guys got used by the gifts of the Spirit of God. So, it's no wonder that we predominantly in the body of Christ think about the, the gifts of the Spirit of God going through the ministry. Not the person in the pew. Am I right or wrong? I'm sorry, I only made about 19 of those up because of the fact that we gave them out last week. I don't know if you don't have them anymore. You really should keep these. Do you know what toner costs today <laughs> in a printer? You should hang on to these. Uh, that little humor. We'll make more, all right? It's like eating too much. We'll, we'll make more food if we run out, all right? Um, so, we think of it as the five-fold ministry, that it's limited to that. Matter of fact, if someone stands up in the church and, and just runs over and says, God told me to, to tell you this and so, and he's going to heal you, and they lay hands on him and pray for him, oh, we want that person in the ministry. Don't we think of it that way? That person must be a minister of the gospel. They must fit in the five-fold ministry. In the last days, and I believe with all of my heart we're living in the last days, Yes, they'll be operating in the pulpit. They'll be operating. As a matter of fact, the five-fold ministry is going to make a return to the church in the last days. Prophets, apostles and prophets, they're coming back on the scene in greater numbers. Watch and see. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, right? I'm not trying to stand up here and brag and say, look at me, look at me, look what I know. I'm trying to tell you what I believe in my spirit is going to unfold in the last days, Okay. The five-fold ministry is going to come back. Also, though, the gifts of the Spirit of God are going to operate through the people in the pew. Now, how do I know this? Go with me to the Word. Let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Go there. I want you to see this with your own eyes. And let's dispel some confusion about the gifts of the Spirit of God. I love seeing those pages turn. 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, verse 1. Paul says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, that's brothers and sisters, you get me? I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that, and, and who's he talking? Is he at a biblical conference, or is he at a conference with, a, you know, prophecy conference? Or is he at a... You know, you understand what I'm saying? He's talking to Christians here, a whole bunch of Christians. He's talking to the church, not just the apostles, not just the pastors, not just the fivefold ministry people. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I would not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is a curse, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. That's an unusual line there. He's moving into talking about the gifts of the Spirit, and he's talking to the Corinthian church. And I just said one day, I just said to myself, well, why is he addressing that? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me about this specific subject. It says, therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. Why would he say it if no one ever did it? 
Paul's addressing a problem there. He says, therefore I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is a curse, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, back up to verse 2. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking. Do you understand that that, that thought strings together right there? There were people that were standing up in church and saying that Jesus Christ is not the Son of God, that he was a cur he's a curse because he's a liar, he's not the Son of God or whatever, and claiming to be saying it by the Spirit of God. They say, oh, Brother Dennis, no, no, no. That's why he addressed the problem. Paul does not waste breath in the Word. He doesn't address a problem that doesn't exist. So he was addressing a problem in the church there. Many of you used to be pagans. And some of those pagans were attending church and they ain't got saved yet. Do you understand what I'm saying? And they're saying all manner of things and blaming it on the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you, it's important that Paul addressed it there because it happens in the church today. There are people that aren't even saved that claim to be spirit-filled, tongue-talking Christians and saying things that ought not to be said. And I don't care how good it sounds, if you're blaming it on the Holy Ghost and it ain't the Holy Ghost, it's dangerous. It's deadly dangerous. And if you, should, if you walk into wanting to know about the gifts of the Spirit of God and wanting to be filled to overflowing with the Holy Ghost and you want everything that the Holy Ghost has to offer, if you're a little bit respectfully fearful, that's okay. That's a fearful choice that I think you can make. It's maybe the only safe fear out there in the world. Do you understand what I'm saying? Fearful respect of God, period, is a healthy thing. When you fearfully respect the Lord, you take him more seriously. And it's not as easy to lie about what he's saying and what he's doing. All right? Therefore, I want you to understand in verse 3 that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is a curse and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Notice that in everyone. Did it say in the five-fold ministry gift? It said to everyone. How many of you know what everyone means? Everyone means everybody. <laughs> okay? To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom or word of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge or word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles, which we're talking about today. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, the discerning of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For Jesus, as the body is one, and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews are Greek, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Where in there did you ever hear the words that is restricted to the pulpit? It's not there. But for some reason, and it could be the fault of us guys in the five-fold ministry, we really enjoy 
We really enjoy being used by the gifts of the Spirit of God. We really do. But God never intended it to be restricted to the fivefold ministry gifts. He never intended it. Why? You say, how do you know, brother? Why are you so adamant about it? Because I just read the Word of God to you on the subject. The Word of God's spoken. It's addressed the subject. It's for everybody. God wants to use everybody, right? But pastors and people in the fivefold ministry have failed to prepare the people in the pew. Let's face it. I'm just being honest, you know. Failed to prepare the people in the pew to just be open to anything the Holy Ghost wants to do. You see? It's not so that the pastor of the church can get his name up in lights on the sign out front. Come to our church. It's special. Pastor praying for you. You get healed or whatever. All about the pastor or all about the... You understand what I'm saying? I'm going to tell you, I haven't spoken enough about this guy, but I met a man down in uh, Mississippi. I uh, recently had the honor um, of meeting him. Uh, when he was in his 20s, God started using him in the gifts of the Spirit of God. And I watched and listened as he talked about that and how he did things to protect himself along the way so that pride and things like that don't hinder, didn't hinder the move of the Spirit of God in his life. Well, it's gone. Nope, it's back. Told you, prime directive. This man, when he was 20-something years old, I told you, God spoke to him in a board meeting. Told him, pick up the phone right now, call this guy and tell him. He's been in, in this lawsuit. A large conglomerate of companies came after his company. They had a sea of lawyers. He had one. Just a country guy owned a little business. And for some reason, they wanted his business. And he had to fight in court for years. This 27-year-old pastor, God said, call him, tell him this time tomorrow the case will be settled in his favor. So he said, I was excited. I jerked the phone up, called him. God told me to tell you this time tomorrow this case will be settled in your favor. And it was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, right? He said, I hung up, and as soon as I hung up, old Slewfoot came, said, what have you done? <laughs> what have you done? He said, I just kept my mouth shut. Four o'clock the next afternoon is about 3.59. My phone rang, and he said the owner of that little company was jumping up and down and shouting in the phone and dancing before the Lord because they had just won the lawsuit in his favor. Because 24 hours earlier, God spoke. Amen? So, so the next Saturday afternoon, he said, we're in this prayer meeting, and the Spirit of God is moving, and it's just wonderful. He said, I walked out of that room when we were done, and one of the elder statesmen in our church came to me and put his arms around me. And I'm trying to remember because I don't want to mess the story up, but what he was saying is, don't allow us to make you, oh, don't allow us to make you king. Don't allow this church to make you king of this church. And he said, we both embraced and we cried like babies because I knew exactly what he was saying. He said, in our church, we do a lot of advertising. He said, I have a lot of people working for me. And he said, uh, we produce this pamphlet and this, this information I think is going to show up on television. And he said, it had my face in it. 
He said, I found the person responsible for that. And he said, we had intense fellowship over the fact that my face was there. He said, Let, he said maybe we've never told you this before. We never warned you about this. But my face, you can see it in the pulpit if you want to. If you tune in to ministry, you're going to see it. But we don't advertise this church with my face on it. Because I will never allow the people of this church to make me king of this church. And he was only in his 20s. That is a man walking in the wisdom of God long before his time. Do you understand? And it's why today in his early 50s, pastoring a church in the thousands. Why? Because God can trust him. Can you say amen? All right. I want to do this with you real quick because every now and then we just got to slow way down or you're not going to learn anything, right? Um, I want you to think about this with me for a minute. If I said to you, name all nine gifts of the Spirit of God, a lot of people would have trouble with that. They don't, we don't go around, you know, memorizing it like we do Psalm 91. Psalm 91 is worth memorizing, amen? Well, I'm telling you, the gifts of the Spirit, it's worth you knowing what they are. Have them down on the inside of them. Why? One of the things that was our goals in the beginning of this is so that when the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you and begins to use you, you go, yeah, I recognize that. You understand that? There are nine gifts. You divide them up into three groups. You have three gifts in each group, right? It, this makes it easier to remember. And the first three that we studied, I call them revelation gifts because they tell you something you didn't know before. They reveal something to you. That's the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. All three of those gifts are revelation gifts. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. Those are revelation gifts. And the, the three that we're studying now, and we're on working in miracles, but under the three that we're talking about now, they're called the power gifts. Can you say that with me? The power gifts. That is the gift of faith, the working of miracles, and gifts of healings. The gifts of healings is what we're going to dive off into next week, right? Um, and what did we learn about the gift of faith already and the working of miracles? The gift of faith is where faith rises up on the inside of you. It's not even a struggle anymore. You know, it'd been one thing if Daniel had stood in the lines and all night long, yeah, I stood there and stared them down. I would stare down, but they didn't eat me, right? No, it says that he laid down and went to sleep. And God warned me, look, now Daniel is a good man, but don't give him more credit than is due him. It was because of God and the gift of faith that he was able to lay down and take a nap. Now, Daniel was special. Don't get me wrong. I'm not taking anything away from Daniel. He lived a good life. He lived a very disciplined life. He was a wonderful man, but he didn't earn him an inch in that lion's den. Do you understand what I'm saying? There are lots of people that we would be honoring today. You know, man, Daniel gave his life. Man, he got eaten in the lion's den. How would you like to have that happen to you? No, I couldn't do it. You know, I'd be running around in there trying to outrun those lions or something. Daniel walked in, laid down, and went to sleep. That is the gift of faith in operation. He didn't have to do anything but passively receive his miracle. Do you get my drift? Remember that in the working of miracles, there's always a part that you play 
You hear from God and you have to obey him and do what he told you to do. That therefore the word, the working of miracles. It's a working of miracles because you have a part to play in it. And you need, we need to obey God all the time, amen? But when God tells you to do something, and it's usually you do this and I'll do this. Or you just do what I told you to do and God will manifest what he's going to do, amen? You know what that does for you? It, what kind of pressure does that put on you? All you've got to do is open your mouth or do what God told you to do, amen? So you've got the power gifts, the gift of faith, the working of miracles, and next week we'll study the gifts of healings. Now, I saved these for last because there's more confusion about the utterance gifts than any of the gifts out there. <laughs> you talk about confusion, you know. Did not God say, I will use the foolish things of this world to confound the wise? Was well, there anything in the world more foolish than praying in tongues? You know, I mean, really, think about it. You understand what I'm saying? So we're going to clear up. We're going to give you what the Bible teaches about it, and we'll get a clear understanding of it. And if you want to receive the Holy Ghost with praying in tongues, then receive the Holy Ghost and pray in tongues. And if you don't, don't. God's not even going to be mad at you. It doesn't say anywhere in the Word of God, you want to go to heaven, you better pray in tongues. If you don't pray in tongues, you ain't going to heaven. Matter of fact, percentage-wise only, really, I'm going to tell you this. There's a fraction of the people in the body of Christ pray in tongues, you know? I, I, I will tell you that you're better off not faking it. All right? You're just better off not faking it. All right? Because you ain't gonna, you're not going to make people think you're special because you pray in tongues because we're going to teach the truth about it. You, you're a child of God. You pray in tongues. Wonderful. You, matter of fact, there are a lot of good things about it. You're praying the mysteries of God. And the devil can't understand a word you're saying. Now, that's pretty powerful. I like that. I happen to like that advantage. All right? And uh, we're going to teach on that next week. But so what have we got? We've got revelation gifts, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. We've got the power gifts, the gift of faith, the working of miracles, the gifts of healings. Does that not make it easier to remember? It's why we give definition to it, even though, what have we found? Many times, even with definition, these gifts overlap and work together. Don't, don't think that we're separating them out so much that, Oh, that, well, that sounds like this, but it couldn't be that. No, yeah, it can be both. You just got to pay attention to what's being said and done. Amen? All right, now, and then we have the three utterance. I call them utterance or inspirational gifts because there's a lot of confusion about it. You know, uh, someone say, um, uh, so-and-so is going to prophesy. A lot of us think this. We think, well, this person is going to stand up and they're going to tell us something about the future. Am I right or wrong? They're going to prophesy. They're going to, well, in the New Testament, prophecy works a little bit different. In the Old Testament, when the prophets stood up, because they were prophets, we called what they were saying and doing prophecy. It doesn't it make sense? Even the Bible called them prophets. Nothing wrong with that, right? But there's a shift in the New Testament to the way we describe things. I can't help it if the New Testament gave more revelation about Jesus than even the Old Testament did. You understand what I'm saying? And the New Testament gives us better clarification on the gifts of the Spirit, although they're included in the Old Testament, all of them except tongues. All right? I'm not confusing you, Anna. I hope not. It should be pretty easy, right? But what we find out and what we're going to prove to you when we get to the utterance or inspirational gifts is that prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues is an inspirational gift. 
what, what happened, um, I'm trying to think of an example that we've heard. Um, think of a person that you know of that um, I can tell you that people that call themselves prophets a year ago that stood up and had all kinds of dreams and all kinds of visions and all kinds of revelations and they spit all that out and none of it came to pass. What they were doing was they're trying to claim that a um, word of wisdom was coming to them through visions and through it. It didn't happen. God was speaking to the church. You better pay attention. God was talking to those people. You understand what I'm saying? He was revealing something to them. We need to pay attention to that. But for the most part, what will happen today if someone stands up and gives a, a message in tongues and it gets interpreted? It can be a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. It, it depends on how it's interpreted, what is said. But most of the time, if someone just stands up and gives a message in tongues and someone interprets it, or someone just stands up and speaks in a language that you understand, pay close attention to me. Unless a specific word of knowledge or word of wisdom is being spoken forth, then and what they're saying will be uplifting and inspirational to the church. It will be comforting, it will be inspirational, and it will be an uplifting word to the church. I'm going to prove it to you. I'm not trying to be controversial. I'm going to prove it to you in the word. Just relax, all right? Let's just let things in the Bible, though, be called what they really are, all right? So prophecy, lots of people, I've seen small children prophesy, stand up, and you knew it was God, but really what they were saying were just talking about the magnificent things of God, his blessings on the church, the great gift that Jesus has been to the church. It stalls the things that the Holy Spirit does, and, and, and it's almost like, please forgive me for this, for lack of a better term, it's almost a spiritual pep rally for God. I don't know, I don't know a better way to describe it, all right? But prophecy, tongues, and interpretation, unless the person stands up and begins to give a direct word of knowledge or a direct word of wisdom, it's just going to be a great and dynamic inspiration. The very first time I ever heard someone off to my left, boom, they stood up, started talking in tongues. I had never heard of it in my life. I never knew I never knew it happened or whatever. But there was something about when they stood up and started speaking, and notice this, they weren't nervous. You understand what I'm saying? They were confident, right? And every, the church went dead quiet because no one, unless you're interpreting it, you don't know what they're saying, right? They stopped, and the person sat down, and it was dead silence for a few seconds. And all of a sudden, over here to my right, boom, somebody stood up, thus saith the Lord, and just started talking and all they did was you know listen if you really want to know who God is be fortunate enough to hear him describe himself and his love for the church and the deep love he has for his children and the plans that he has for his church and I'm telling you when it's the Holy Ghost how many of you understand what I'm saying have you ever heard that before by tongue and interpretation a message that was just so uplifting and so inspirational. Well, basically, uh, it's either tongues and interpretation or if someone just stands up. How many of you know that the person who did the interpreting could have been used by God to just stand up and give the message? And if the Holy Spirit's in it, you know it. You 
will know it. All right. Thank God. Well, that's enough of the warm-up here. I'm going to have to... I, wanna, I just want you to... If you're writing down notes, I'm going to give you one paragraph here with some scriptures in it. We have passages here in the New Testament where the working of miracles was mentioned. All right? First in Acts chapter 6, verse 8. Acts chapter 6, verse 8. If you're writing that down. Acts 6, verse 8. And Stephen... What does it say? What a description. And Stephen... Full of grace and power. Say that with me. Full of grace and power. One more time. Full of grace and power. What, was it his own power? No, it had to be the power of the Holy Ghost, right? And Stephen, full of grace and power, was... Look, now listen to what it says. Don't get upset about this. Uh, I'll tell you why some people have. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. He was doing them. So what was he doing? working of miracles because it says he was doing them the holy ghost is doing them but but he had a part in it he had to do something he had to move in faith that god was speaking to him and do whatever it was god told him to do and people were getting healed and he's just a deacon at the time you understand what i'm saying and stephen full of grace and power was doing great wonders and signs among the people that was a gift of the holy ghost all right in Acts chapter 15, verse 12, it says in the English Standard Version, Acts 15, verse 12, English Standard Version, and all the assembly fell silent, and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. And the King James Version is better. It says, Then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles. And in the King James Version, it says, by them. By them. They, in other words, that's working of miracles. God was using them by the power of the Spirit to work miracles among the people. Do you see how the Word of God teaches us the Word of God? Would we really know how miracles, working of miracles really worked if it wasn't for it showing up in other places in the Bible? All right, so I, I read it again, the King James Version. Then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. They were involved. That's what working of miracles is about. You're involved. You have an involvement in it. Well, maybe that's one of the reasons why we don't see it every day. But we need to see more of it. Amen? We need to see more of it. In Acts chapter 19, verse 11, I want to read it to you in the English Standard Version and the King James Version. Acts 19, verse 11. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. Listen to me. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. He was working. It was the working of miracles, right? King James Version. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. Special miracles. You know what a special miracle is? Have you ever heard anybody say, I'm, I'm getting up early in the morning, I'm going to watch the miracle of the sunrise. The miracle of sunrise. You ever heard that? Miracle of sunrise, right? Well, that's what I call a natural miracle. How many of you know the sun's going to come up in the morning if Jesus tarries? It may be behind the clouds, but the sun's going to rise. The miracle of sunrise is going to happen, <laughs> whether you can see it or not. But it's a natural miracle. Now, listen, you, you might get mad at me about this, but, you know, I mean, even I looked at my three kids that were born, and I thought, this is a miracle. 
But it's a natural miracle. If mom and dad get together, they're going to make babies. And babies get born, it's a natural miracle. They're just human beings doing what human beings do. You understand what I'm saying? But we're talking about special miracles Paul was involved in. All right? And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. God was saying that there's a gift that I use people in, in the gifts of the Spirit, called working of miracles where you are involved. You must obey me and do what I tell you to do, and I will accomplish what, I, what I'm using the gifts of the Spirit for. So do you understand, you know, there's, there's some gifts that are really good, and, and what do we say? What is the best gift? The gift you need at the time with the need you're facing, right? The gift that will meet the need you're facing right now, that's the, you know, that's the important gift. Howard Carter wrote a book on the subject of questions and answers on spiritual gifts, and I loved I have to quote him here. The working of miracles is the power of God flowing, flowing through a person. I mean, think about that. The working of miracles is the power of God flowing through a person. I mean, that is, that's amazing to me. That is amazing to me. By the working of miracles, the nation was plagued to ensure the deliverance of God's people to bring him glory in Exodus chapter 7. The shadow was cast by the sundial. The shadow that's cast by the sundial uh, as a sign to King Hezekiah, it went backwards to show that he wouldn't die. That was the working of a miracle. Understand that? Um, in 1 Kings 18, uh, in verse 38, the fire flashed from the sky and consumed a sacrifice as well as the altar upon which it was sacrificed, everything. And the, a prophet was involved in that miracle. It's a working of miracles. In Exodus 9, verse 23, one time a prophet made it thunder and hail in Exodus, and he was involved in his working of a miracle. By the working of miracles, listen to this. I didn't even give a reference to this. Please forgive me. Go to the Bible and look up Samson's life. All of those things that he did was working of miracles. All right? By the working of miracles, loaves were multiplied. We talked about that. That's in Mark chapter 14. Uh, the raging force of a storm was quieted, Mark chapter 4. A multitude, a multitude of fish filled the disciples' net when they let it down at Jesus' instruction. What would have happened if they said, you know, Jesus said, throw your net on the other side, and they went, no, nope, we're not going to do it. We've been fishing all night. There ain't no fish here. They were involved. They pulled their net up at Jesus' word, and they worked to get the net to the other side of the boat, cast it in, and had more fish than they could haul. That was the working of miracles. See, we, we read over things in the Bible, we think, and Jesus, it does not diminish the fact that Jesus was special. But Jesus himself said, greater things will you do than these, right? I'm going to send you the Holy Ghost. Why? And, and you say, well, you know, we're never going to top Christ. You're right, we're not. But what if, you know, there's 7 billion people in the world. What if one-tenth, just 10%, what if a tithe of even the church say, a tithe of the church got a hold of this message and just began to unleash with the gifts of the Spirit of God. God began to walk solidly in 10% of the church. And not, not necessarily the pulpit, not necessarily in the big tent meeting, but, but next week, Wednesday morning, you're at the grocery store and you're picking out fresh fruit, you're thumping melons, and God speaks to your heart, that woman over there, I need you to walk over there Introduce yourself to that woman. Tell her, I want to heal her. Well, you can do one of two things. You can ignore God. You can talk yourself out of it. 
or you can walk over there and introduce yourself to that woman. Because I guarantee you, you don't know that she doesn't have leukemia. You don't know that she doesn't have some rare sickness or disease, and she'll instantly know this question will rise to the, how did you know that I need God to heal me? Because God told me to. Let's pray. Don't waste any time. Take them by the hands and pray. Let God do what God wants to do. And you, you would have been involved in a working of miracles right there in, in, in the grocery aisle. Don't be surprised. They don't want to let you come back there, though. I mean, you know. I mean, I don't know. You know how they No, that lady's going to get happy, all right? That person's going to get happy, right? The raging force of a storm was quieted in Mark chapter 4. A multitude of fish filled the disciples' net at Jesus' instruction. The widow's small pot of oil became a fountain of oil provided and provided sustenance for her, her son, and the prophet in 2 Kings chapter 4. That's all we're going to cover today. We got some other stuff to do. Isn't that good? That's good stuff. Are you understanding a little bit more about the power gifts now? Get to faith. Man, just if God says to you, lay down and go to sleep. When you wake up, everything's going to be fine. You lay down and go to sleep and wake up. Hey, my grandmother went to bed, went to sleep, got up the next morning, went to the hospital, have cancer removed from a body that didn't exist. While she slept, God healed her. She didn't have cancer anymore, right? Um, the evangelist that prayed for her, he and I, we never discussed it. I never told him anything. He just went to pray for her, and boom, my little 86-pound grandmother, she hit the ground. I thought, every bone in her body will be broken. You know, she's, eight, eight, you know, 80 years old, 70-something years old, cancer. Boom, hit the floor, but her arms went there, and she was a Southern Baptist lady all her life. But her lips were just moving. She was praying, praising God. 45 minutes later, we kind of, it wasn't hard to scoop her up. She's tiny, right? Took her home, laid her in bed. Next morning, she don't have cancer anymore, right? Think about the gifts of the Spirit of God and how they work. Think about it. Be educated. Get ready. Amen? Because in the last day's revival, yes, the fivefold ministry is going to return to the church. And why? Why does the fivefold ministry need the gifts of the Spirit? To help them stand in the office to which they were called. How do you recognize an apostle? Because so many of the gifts of the Spirit of God move through them. They don't have to hang a sign on saying, I'm an apostle or I'm a banana tree. You see the bananas. And what the bananas you're looking for? How the gifts of the Spirit of God use them, right? But it's not just going to be the fivefold ministry. It's going to be people all over the church. Amen? I love you. And I want God's best.